0: So I, I, don't quite know what you covered with uh, with Jamie last week. He gave me some outline. Uh, I know you were going over section, uh, I mean chapter one, obviously, of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which deals with what, Graham? Oh no, Scripture. That's correct. Chapter 1 deals with Scripture. So if you go ahead and turn in your uh, little hymnals to the back to page 919. Oh, so conveniently, they have a copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith back there. Oh, so. Isn't that convenient? It is convenient. All right. So we, um, when we uh, get started on this, I'm going to really be... Um, Jumping off from uh, section 1.1, now, section 2 obviously outlines the various books uh, that the Westminster Confession of Faith identifies as part of the Bible. We'll talk uh, in a little while about how they became part of the canon, what the criteria were, and we're not going to spend a lot of time doing that, it won't be a, a, uh, a course on the Bible, obviously, but uh, enough so that you understand why certain titles were included and why the Apocrypha, for instance, and pseudopigraphal books were left out. What is pseudopigrapha? Does anybody know pseudopigrapha? Yes. It's the
1: uh, false scriptures
0: that are uh, like the mm-hmm. like That one where Jesus jumped off of a building, was it? <laughs> well, the Gnostic no, Gospels. Did he? Okay, I'm not, uh, I I'm not familiar with that, but uh, yeah, the pseudopigraphal documents were Documents that were written under the titles of apostles, but there was no possibility that they were actually written by apostles because they were much later. They expressed Gnostic doctrines or philosophies that only began to really get popular in the second and third centuries and uh, just were not in keeping with the rest of uh, of scripture. Um, Heretical books, in essence, that were claiming to be part of uh, of scripture but had no right to, um, uh, to say that. So, what's going on? (laughs) <laughs> All right. So, general revelation we already discussed before. Oh, wait, I, I haven't prayed, How have I? No. I need to do that. Let's go ahead and do that. Gracious God, we pray now, Lord, that you would be uh, pleased to be here and that you would uh, help us to understand your word, help us to understand uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which seeks to summarize its teaching. And I pray that we would grow in our knowledge and uh, that we would become Bible literate and also theologically astute, Lord, you can do this. Uh, And we pray that this wouldn't happen so that we would be puffed up, but rather so that we would be better able to explain the scriptures. We remember that as Ezra was preaching after the uh, wall had been completed, he was preaching from your word, that the Levites went about explaining the scriptures to the people who were listening so that they would understand them better. That is our desire. We want to make clear, we want to make plain those things that you would have people know the things to be believed and the things to be done so that their lives would be better ordered and that their eternity would be assured. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. So um, taking a look then at the, uh, the doctrines of general and special revelation, uh, Graham, why don't you go ahead? I'm going to keep picking on you for just a little while. Um, why don't you go ahead and read section one, part one?
1: Are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary unto
0: salvation? All right. So basically building on a, uh, an idea that we, we understand. You guys know from uh, uh, Psalm 19, and Psalm 19 verses 1 through 3 speak about what? What phenomena? What is Psalm heavens 19? Heavens declare. heavens declare the glory of God, Right. Uh, As we look to the stars, as we look at nature, there is an irrefutable evidence in creation of God's existence. Everywhere we look, we see evidence of God. The the very existence of life, the building blocks of the universe, uh, and the perfect order of the universe indicates that there's an author there. But, Eileen, let me ask you a critical question. Is there enough information in salvation to tell us who this God is and how to be saved by him In in creation? Did I, what did I say? I said oh, in creation to tell us how to be saved. No, there's not. So I can study the molecules. I can study the mountains. I can look at the stars. I can examine the birds and the fishes. But they will not tell me how to be saved. Uh, for that to happen, what has to happen? Yes? It needs to be revealed. God needs to reveal his will to us, okay? In order for me to know anything about what Nick is thinking what needs to happen. <laughs> that would work. That
2: was an option. Okay, so
0: but you would need to reveal or write. what in some fashion, right? You could write it down. You could tell us but uh, simply by shining a flashlight in your ear, we're not going to find it. It's not, uh, not going to happen. So in order to have any knowledge of another mind, that mind must reveal itself to us. In order for us to have knowledge, therefore, of God, God must reveal himself to us. Has he done so? Yes. yes. And he has done so through his word. Okay. Therefore, as we were talking about before, the Westminster Confession of Faith, starts not with God, but in the place where God has revealed himself by talking about scripture. And in that section that Graham just read, uh, we found that um, uh, it is necessary for our salvation that God would reveal his will to us. So uh, we understand that the fall has affected general revelation. The world is a fallen world. That's why there's sin and sickness and death and so on. And also there has been a neuthetic effect of sin, something that affects the way that we Think. think our thinking has fallen as well. And our tendency is not to worship God, but to worship what? (coughs) Or ourselves, creation, the created things, okay? Uh, Romans 118 talks about the degeneration that's occurred. Although we know there is a God (coughs) and we remain inexcusable as a result, okay? We should know there's a God who's worthy of our worship. We instead worship his creation and the things that are in it Okay. And then we gradually degenerate morally, don't we? We get lower and lower and lower on the moral scale. And that's clearly not a good thing. Um, Within our hearts, though, there is still, although the image of God has been broken within us, is it completely obscured? No. No. Okay. So there are still some remnants of God's original um, imprint upon us. So therefore, we saw that in the fact that no matter where we go in the world, we still find a moral code that unless you've been to an American university, will still generally point you in the right direction to good or evil. It really, the sad thing is, it really does take higher education, re-education, as a matter of fact, to break somebody from uh, the basic moral blueprint that God has put in their their hearts. Somebody go ahead and read uh, Romans 2 and 14 and 15. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Very good. Thank you, Jane. Uh, so when we're talking about the law, what are we talking about? We're talking about what kind of revelation is that? Special. That's special revelation. And then Paul says there, the Gentiles don't have special revelation. The Gentiles did not receive wat-n-a-lot. what in a lot? What didn't they receive? They didn't receive the scriptures. Okay, the oracles of God, the law and the prophets were something that weren't originally delivered to them. They didn't have access to salvation. However, that didn't mean that they didn't have any access to the law, all right? By which we mean the moral law, because Adam in the garden was created upright, and he was created in the image of God, in knowledge and righteousness, and so therefore, the Ten Commandments, really, God's moral law, were in a sense printed on, on his heart, okay, and uh, gave him enough information that when uh, he sinned, it, it would produce What? Yeah, regret, guilt, shame, all of those, uh, those responses. So Paul is saying that even the Gentiles know what's right and what's wrong, but is it enough to save them? No, no because no man by his works can be saved. Paul goes on to, to flesh that out, okay? No man, Jew or Gentile, can be saved in Romans uh, 3 by his works. Therefore, he needs redemption, and the way of redemption is revealed to us in the the big black book. Yes, crap, uh, scripture. That's not scripture. That's that scripture. All right. So therefore, uh, special revelation is most necessary. Uh, we won't be able to hear the gospel and understand it if we haven't received it. All right. So who? Uh, somebody read. Um, Let's see, which one of those do we really need to read? Well, one person read Romans ten six through 15, and one person read 1 Corinthians two eleven through 14. Someone grab that. Those two. Yeah, All right, go ahead. For
1: what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who 's from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God all
0: right, so something that uh, i 'm stopping you right uh, there, but you 'll continue in just a moment, so hold on uh, the The idea being that who knows uh, what lies within this, uh, within a man except the, his, his spirit, and so who knows what God uh, needs to tell us except God, and the Holy Spirit has revealed these things to us. First, he revealed them to the apostles and the prophets, and then through them, we have them in Scripture If we do go on. I'm so sorry.
1: These things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to the spirit But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned.
0: Now, that hits on another point that's made again and again in Scripture, which is uh, can the natural man understand the Word of God when he reads it? No. no because fast he... In a fast way. In a or surface way. That's very good. He, he needs what, therefore? He needs... Holy he needs the Holy Spirit. He needs regeneration. He needs a new heart. He needs inward illumination. Then he'll be able to understand. All right, who's got Romans 10? Yes, go ahead, Rhoda. Romans
3: For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news.
0: All right. So here we have the importance not just of the word, but of the messenger. So God sends his messengers, just as messengers were sent uh, by Joab to tell David and the, uh, the army that the victory had been won over Absalom and the rebels. Uh, and those were beautiful feet that were running with haste to bring good news. Uh, so, too, um, we are sent into the world, that is, God's people are sent into the world, in particular his messengers, his preachers, um, to, pre, uh, to proclaim the word of God. Without that, people can't be saved. We, we can't figure it out ourselves. That's one of the points that's made again and again. Special revelation is necessary. Nobody is walking down the street and suddenly struck by a gospel lightning bolt, and they uh, suddenly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. It has to be brought to them. That's one of the reasons why in Matthew 28, uh, God uh, gave us... The Great Commission. Jesus gave that to the church. What does the Great Commission tell us to do?
1: Go
0: and spread the word of God. Yeah, to go uh, go and make disciples of all the nations. All right? Um, Teaching them all things that I've commanded you. To teach the word of God to, to all the nations. All right. So let's go to the next. Sorry. So special revelation. Therefore, please, the Lord, at sundry times, says the Westminster Confession of Faith, and in diverse manners, to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church... He speaks to his people, or has spoken to his people. Let's go all the way through chapter 1 and, and finish uh, 1.1, 1. 1, uh, starting with, Therefore it pleased, I'll, I'll go ahead and read. Therefore it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto the chur- his church, and afterwards for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world. To commit the same holy unto writing, which maketh the Holy Scripture to be most necessary, those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people, now being ceased. Wonderful news, but for some it's going to be an irritating word, as we will see. Okay, so first, in Hebrews, bearing that out. Hebrews 1, 1, and 2. Anybody already got that? Say what? No, no, that uh, that's Elijah and Elisha. Oh, yeah. So, who, anybody? Yes, go ahead, Nick.
1: God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world.
0: So um, he speaks of Christ, that is the author of Hebrews, as the pinnacle of revelation. God has spoken to us through prophets and apostles, but he spoke um, particularly in these last days by his son, uh, the word uh, incarnate there. Who's got uh, 2 Peter 1, 19, Okay, Ellen. And
4: so we have a prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns. Knowing this verse, that no prophecy of Scripture uh, is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, Bible, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit.
0: Quite right. Okay. So nothing in Scripture is, is a private word. Okay? It was all spoken by the Holy Spirit through holy men who, who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so their word is literally the word of God, all right? Uh, and we learn from Paul that that is plenary verbal inspiration, that every word, okay, everything breathed out by uh, the, the spirit um, in the word of God is the word of God, okay? So it's not merely that the, wor- uh, that the word of God is contained in the Bible. We confess that the Bible is the word of God, now, does that mean that there are no, that it is utterly free of errors in its transmission? No, we believe the autographer were, uh, were absolutely um, inerrant when they were first set up, set down, but there can be copious errors. We've talked some about the uh, numbers that are sometimes uh, mixed up, um, but there are, no, there are no copious errors, no variations in all of the, any of the major doctrines within scripture. So scripture is our infallible rule and guide for faith and life and practice. So it tells us how to live. Let's go to the next. Um, And so we learn about the the necessity of scripture and afterwards for the better preserving and propagating of the truth. The Westminster Confession tells us of the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same wholly unto writing which makes the Holy Scripture to be most necessary, those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now ceased. Can people lie? Yes, they can. Can people make terrible mistakes? Yes, they can. Can the Scriptures lie and make mistakes? No, okay, so uh, in the Scriptures, we have a straightforward and true, now we can misinterpret Scripture, we can misunderstand Scripture, we can be ignorant of Scripture, but Scripture is still true, and if we look to it, we will find uh, that which we need to know. All right. So, who wants to? Uh, let's talk about deception. Yes. Go ahead. Can also
4: just
0: we can, uh, but it's it's rare to find a modern translation that gets it so wrong that um, it's actually deceptive. That uh, the only one uh, exceptions we would we'd say to that are. Um, Translations that are made for cults, like the New American, uh, not the uh, New World, sorry. (laughs) I just made the New American Standard into a uh, cultic Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy's favorite Bible is cultic. Anyway, no, that's, sorry, Graham. So it's the New World Translation, which is the Jehovah's Witness Translation. And um, some of the liberal translations, I would argue, uh, deliberately mistranslate things in order to uh, err on the liberal side. Uh, the RSV, for instance, uh, in attempting to um, uh, move away from the idea of the virgin birth, makes, makes her into a maiden, uh, stuff like that. And there are some translations that are so loose and ridiculous. Uh, that they aren't, they don't really qualify as uh, a translations, uh, like the message isn't really a translation, the no living isn't really a translation, I so. Question. So,
1: yeah. the first translation of the Torah,
0: uh, Septuagint, Septuagin.
4: Septuagin.
0: yeah. and that was before Christ, right? Yep,
4: in the 300s. Was there a debate
0: yeah there was a, uh, there was uh, a substantial uh, debate about whether it was necessary, and so on they They determined that it was because so many in the new generation coming up only spoke uh, Greek and as a general rule um, ninety i, I don 't know i 'm probably exaggerating but between seventy and ninety percent of the uh, uh, of the Jews living in Alexandria were not fluent in Hebrew any longer, so um, you had a situation where, if they were going to read the scriptures, and they wanted them to read the scriptures constantly, there had to be a Greek translation. Uh, it was also necessary because they were attracting more and more proselytes who had no clue about how to read Hebrew, and so that was uh, a translation that was made. The rabbis did, uh, uh, you know, they went back and forth over that, but uh, eventually they determined it was more important that they they come up with that and. uh, Seventy Septuagint comes from the idea of seventy. There were seventy translators. It's a ridiculous misunderstanding. There, Uh, the um, uh, the idea was all seventy were working on all of the books at the same time, and they all came to the same translation of the Septuagint, and that's how it was perfect. That's a misunderstanding. Obviously, they were split up and working on different uh, different sections. I don't know, I really don't. I know, I know through the, uh, um, the first and, uh, and second centuries, the Septuagint was, especially in the Hellenistic world, um, from basically the third century to at least the, uh, the second century AD, the Septuagint was actually more widely read within the Jewish world than the, um, uh, than the Hebrew scriptures, more commonly understood and known as well. So if you were a Jew like Paul, uh, you would have gotten, I mean, most of his translations clearly are being taken from the Septuagint, not not the uh, the Hebrew version of the Bible. So um, Jews and, and rabbis and so on all viewed it as a good, faithful, solid translation of scripture. And it is, for the most part, a good translation of the, I mean, I'm no Greek and Hebrew scholar, but I can see the immediate, you know, give me the lexical aids so and I can become one uh, for a few seconds. But uh, in any event, uh, so, First Timothy four one. Who's got it? Anyone? Yes, Joy. Four Yeah. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter days some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. All right. So we are um, told, uh, and Paul is writing. Is he writing about what's going on in the world? Well, yeah, but specifically he was writing to Timothy and warning him about things that are going on in the church. church. Okay, that's the, the main thrust of his, uh, his message. And are we living in the latter days? We are. Yes, we, we have been for quite some time. Yeah, this is this present evil age that we're living in. So we know that uh, a lot of people uh, will depart from the truth and they'll go after uh, old wives' tales. It is amazing. There is a plethora a hefe, uh, what is it, leather? Uh, um, but there is still a plethora of, uh, of bad teaching available um, on YouTube, for instance. You want goofy, bad um, teaching? Spend some time, you know, uh, on YouTube. I'm not saying do this, obviously, and, uh, and, and pick a Christian subject. Enter a search, and you'll find at least 13 people who have taught wildly whack stuff about that particular sur- uh, subject. I mean, I'm not even talking about stuff that's as silly as uh, the flat earth. I'm, I'm talking about people who will, um, you know, teach you uh, uh, about things like, uh, uh, you know, finding aliens in the Bible, um, the, uh, the all of the ridiculous speculation about the firmament, and uh, it's it just, it's never-ending. Uh, repudiating, essentially, what Paul said about holy days and Jewish festivals and at, at great length. Alright, Galatians one six through eight. Okay, Graham. Uh
1: I arguing that you are turning away so soon from him who called you
0: All right, so if somebody comes and delivers to you a gospel not in keeping with the gospel that was preached by Paul and the apostles, what do you do?
4: <laughs> yeah, you, do. you
0: start your own religion, of course, and, yeah, and make a fortune. Uh, no, you, you, you call that another gospel, and another gospel is heresy. heresy. It's no gospel at all. There is no other gospel, there's only the gospel once for all delivered. To the saints. So, if there's another gospel being delivered, new doctrines—they uh, are false. If it's new, it isn't true. If it's true, it isn't new. As a general rule, uh, within the Christian faith. Now, we can get a little more precise in our understandings of, of you know different historical things within uh, the Word. We can have new light shed on, on something, and we can apply uh, old teachings to new situations. That can certainly be the case. But if something is genuinely new, Whenever somebody has risen up, as a general rule, after the 300s or so, and said, the church before me has been getting everything wrong, here's the new teaching, I am restoring now the church to its, uh, its right foundation, they have been what? Wrong. They've been heretics and false teachers. Now, is it possible for the church to get off track? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know we are we are inheritors of people who said, no, we need a course correction. We need to go back to the uh, to the original understandings of things called the Reformation, all right. Um, but generally speaking, when you have somebody like Joseph Smith, who was the founder of Mormonism, who came up and said that all the denominations since the apostolic times have been wrong, and the church has been getting it wrong, and they're all been deceivers and deceitful, and I I alone will lead you into new truth. You know, it doesn't matter if you're David Koresh or Joseph Smith or Charles Taze Russell or, or um, uh, what was her name? Uh, the what? He
1: said,
0: Only, I. Only I, I alone am left. Elijah, who do you think you are? Um, all right, so we'll talk about the now the importance of scripture and that things were inscripturated. Now, 2 Peter, written at the beginning or near the end of his career as an apostle? Near the end. Okay, so what does he say as he's getting ready to die? Let's read 2 Peter one twelve through 15. Yes, Psalm. So. Okay, so what's the tent he's talking about there, Song? His life, or like his, life? Like, um, his, life his body. Yeah. yeah. So he's saying, I'm going to put off this tent. I'm going to stop tabernacling here on earth. It's a temporary, uh, it's a temporary location, a temporary dwelling. Um, and I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, and at this point in time. He was reminding people about what they were supposed to believe while he was in his present earthly tent. How? How was he telling people what to believe? I mean, in this book, he's actually writing. Okay, yes, he's writing. But generally speaking, the apostles taught orally through preaching, right. But he said, I will make sure that you have a trustworthy way of knowing the truth after I'm gone. And he didn't say, my ghost will come back and will haunt the church and bring, uh, you know, Ooh, I'm telling you the truth, that kind of thing. That's not gonna happen. What was he talking about there? His writings, the, the, the very things that he um, uh, was sending to them there. Now, the, uh, one of the major contributions that uh, Peter made, apart from first and second Peter, was what? What was his major contribution to the Bible, aside from his uh, his work in the Acts of the Apostles? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Try again. Okay, it's a gospel called, well, called Mark. Mark, right? Mark, right. Uh, the uh, the consensus is that he worked with John Mark to produce Which the Gospel this? according to. John Mark, thank you. Oh, the gospel according to Mark. Okay, so who's got John twenty twenty three? 23? John 20, 23. Hello, Naya. Good to see you. And Brian as well. John twenty twenty three. Who have got it? Okay. John 20, Clearly, that was not the uh, the section that I was looking for. Is that really John 20:23? Really? I'm sure it is. Hmm. Oh, dear. I hate it when I do that. Sometimes I can be dumb. Bum, 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 bum. I think I know what I was looking for. Okay, John 20, 31. Sorry. Try that instead.
4: John 20. 31. But
0: these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life. Ah, okay. So the the necessity of s and scripturation. Finally, Luke one, one through four. Who's got that? Alan, go ahead. Very good. So Luke, there in Luke chapter one and verses one through four, is giving his introduction, right? And he says that he wrote these things for what purpose? How would you sum that up? Somebody give me their a, own a little summary of his summary. I mean, true. Yeah. So he he writes of himself as kind of a uh, not necessarily. I mean, he doesn't say I'm a gospel writer. What does he? He kind of speaks of himself as a a historian, right? A biographer of Christ, a historian, somebody who's writing down a testimony of the things that Jesus did, so that you might know these things are true. You might have a an, uh, a true record. Most excellent uh, Theophilus, yes, Joy?
2: A more for a, a more sure establishment.
0: Yes, exactly. All right. So um, this, all of this makes cessation necessary. The former ways of God revealing his will now being ceased. This is the one that drives modern Pentecostals. It didn't drive the church crazy prior to the 20th century, but now it does um, because we want the former ways of God revealing his will to be restored, Right. Um, We want to know that God is speaking to us directly, not rather through the scriptures. We want modern-day prophets. We want modern-day apostles. We want modern-day revelations, words of knowledge, and so on. Uh, Now, we spoke before about, is it possible for the scriptures to lie? No, but it is possible for modern-day prophets and apostles and so on to, to lie. Uh, to speak things that God has not said. And we'll talk about uh, what some of the rules are that were to apply in determining whether somebody has spoken the truth. All right, so uh, cessation. uh, There are some scriptures that would indicate that it was always God's will that that process of the pouring out of new revelation uh, through prophets and apostles would come to an end when the scriptures were completed. Uh, one of the places we look for that is First uh, Corinthians thirteen eight through eleven. And who has got First Corinthians thirteen eight through eleven? Who, who? Okay, Alan, again. Okay, one of the things that Paul is, uh, is getting at is that um, there's a continuity, okay? People grow up. You go from being a child to being a man. When you are young, for instance, do you start out, let's ask this question, Nate, when you were very young, did you start out running as fast as you possibly could and doing well? Okay, so you started out walking, right? No, actually there was a stage before that. You were crawling, very good, okay. So we start out not running, not even walking, we start out crawling, okay? But unless we are under heavy fire, (laughs) it is not generally the, the, uh, uh, the best way to get around to crawl, right? very inefficient, no matter how fast your toddler can commando crawl. Sometimes they are amazingly quick, um, yet it is still better to go on two feet, yeah. right? Okay, so we go from that which is less perfect to that which is more perfect, God willing. In the same way, uh, when we're building a house, whoops, we start with the foundation and we put on the first and the second floors and we build, and then we stop and we, uh, we get to the top. We don't keep putting on foundations. Uh, it's a general rule also that when that which is perfect has come, that which is less perfect goes away. All right, we don't need it. Now that we have the scripture, that which was used in building up the scripture is no longer necessary and would derogate from it, would take away from its perfection. We'll talk about how that's the case uh, later. Jude 1 3, who's got that? Yes, Alan. Okay, contend for the saints, uh, contend for the saints, contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. The idea of the finality of the deliverance uh, is there. When Paul was talking about what the Galatians should um, believe, he was talking about a deposit of, of uh, revelation that had already been set down. The expectation is there will be no longer a continuing stream of new revelations once uh, revelation had been established, once that which is perfect had come, that which is less perfect uh, ceases. And uh, if you have a mixture of perfect and less perfect, it is by definition less perfect than just perfect by itself. So let's go to the uh, the next slide. So, how did we get the books of the Bible? Um, This is section two. I'm not actually going to spend um, a long uh, time on this. Uh, They list the books of the Bible that you're going to find in the Word of God, The Westminster Divines do today. This is the same list of the uh, books that you will find in the main section of the KJV, although many uh, KJVs are also printed with the Deuterocanonical books, okay, the apocryphal books. Um, uh, So... We, however, do not believe that they are part of the canon and neither did the the authors of the Westminster Confession of Faith. So they list uh, the ones that we understand to be the Bible today. And they conclude by saying, all of which are given by inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. So these are the inspired books of the Bible. Does this mean I can't read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Maccabees? No, I can read them. But should I think they're inspired? No, I shouldn't. Therefore, should I trust what they contain uh, to be true implicitly? No, I should not. Um, It may be helpful. uh, And there's a lot of good historical information within Maccabees. Uh, It does record a uh, particularly tumultuous time in the history of the Jews in the intertestamental period. But it's it's not a book of the Bible. It's not the word of God. None of them are. All right, let's go to the next. Alright, so what is cessation? Uh, rather than me reading that, um, who would like to volunteer who's got a good voice and who wants to uh, speak loud? That section from B.B. B. Warfield, his brief and untechnical statement of the Reformed Faith. Who got it? There. Yeah, you can do it. Huh? into that kingdom through the supernatural work of regeneration. Okay. So what is BB Warfield saying there about the the reason one of the main reasons for uh, miracles being given? Yes, Graham. To verify the fact that they came to God, that they that they were coming by king God to authenticate God's agents, all right? Anybody can come in and say uh, it doesn't take anything at all to say thus saith the Lord, right? But it does take a lot for somebody to say, arise and walk to a paralytic and then have them get up and actually do it. Or to raise somebody from the dead. Or to survive being bitten by a viper with no uh, harmful side effects or anything like that. Uh, These are things that the apostles did because they were given uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to do so. And the reason that they were given this, says Warfield, is to authenticate them as God's agents so that they would be known as people who were laying down the faith and giving true information, a teacher sent from God. Uh, so during all of, these, um, all of these events, God is at work bringing men and women into that kingdom through the supernatural work of regeneration. Now, we remember that that's the objective, salvation of mankind. Is that miracle still going on? Absolutely. One of the things that we need to remember is when we say that the original uh, miracles that were meant to authenticate God's agents during the period during which scripture was being laid down, uh, that they have ceased, we're not saying that God no longer works in the world. We're not saying that he no longer miraculously heals in response to prayer, for instance. We are not saying uh, that the miracle of the far greater miracle of uh, being saved from your sins, regenerated inwardly, that that has ceased in any sense. Or that God has nothing to do with his creation. That's also ridiculous. However, when we, uh, when we read about men being raised from the dead, should we expect that to be happening in our own age? No. And this is one of the reasons why Benny Hinn's ministry does not go from town to town and cancer ward to cancer ward, healing all of the the people who are within. So let's go to the next and continue that. All right, volunteer to read Section 5 of the Brief and Untechnical. Okay, go ahead, Rhoda. So, has God stopped loving us because these things have been taken not a not not at all He continues to uh, uh, to do that all right so that 's the basic idea of cessation, as summarized by B.B. warfield let 's go on to uh, the next slide all right, so having read that, we have to deal with this now, going uh, around the uh, you know the the top we um, the oldest slide is actually the one in the middle there that's uh, amy simple mcpherson at uh, the angelus temple in los angeles she was uh she's known as the queen of pentecostalism that's from the 1930s we got of course benny Hinn. uh we have 1950s uh backwards pre- uh, pentecostalism healing and so on um pentecostalism all around yes No, the Azusa Street Revival was actually in the 1900s, early 1900s. So, um, and we'll talk we'll talk about that in just a second. We'll get to that slide. But when we say cessation and would like to move on, we have to go. Oh, wait a minute. All right, and we have to admit at this point, stepping back, cessationism, while it was the majority report from, uh, from 100 AD to 1900, it no longer is the majority report within American Protestantism, or I mean, I'm sorry, uh, within um, Christianity, generally speaking, and Protestantism in particular. So let's go to the next uh, slide. So if we take a look at uh, worldwide, if we talk about Christians by movement, um, we have the uh, evangelicals generally, 285,480,000 but absolutely dwarfed by the Pentecostal and charismatic movements together, both of which are non-cessationists, with 548,080,000. And that was in 19, uh, 2011. So that number will have mushroomed dramatically since that time. Pentecostalism, and in particular, uh, the Word of Faith movement, uh, which is the Benny Hinn um, you know, and uh, Joyce Myers and, and so on, uh, version of Christianity is spreading like wildfire through um, Africa, Asia. In fact, in um, people estimate within the southern uh, the southern hemisphere of the world, uh, word of faith will be the, the dominant uh, variety of uh, Christianity very soon. So <laughs> which is tremendously depressing, but moving, moving on, um, there you go. Yes, there's a street revival that uh, you were looking for. Okay, so how did all of this get started? How did we go from, uh, you know, the 100s, the death of John, uh, to where there's no uh, Pentecostal, or none, no more of uh, the, uh, the workings of the spirit in that way, all the way to... Uh, the 20th century. What what happened in the 20th century? Well, it re- really began in um, in California. Uh, all all good things come from California, right? That's uh, just <laughs> except for, of course, our dear sister Rhoda. <laughs> you know? um, so uh, it started in Los Angeles in 1906. Uh, so the first wave was a preacher by the name of Charles, uh, or rather. Uh, William J. Seymour, Charles Fox Parham and William J. Seymour. Uh, These men began uh, teaching a a second blessing theology that after they were initially saved, that uh, people should expect the Holy Spirit to be poured out on them and to manifest the uh, presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives in a particular way. What was the way that they would manifest the uh, Holy Spirit? Through tongues, tongue speaking. Okay, but not tongue speaking like we see it in Pentecost. Somebody tell me very quickly about the tongue speaking that we see in Pentecost. Yes, Joy. Uh, each person who had
2: come to the temple for the hmm
0: Because you had Jews coming from all around the world. Cyrene, Arabia, Persia, Rome, and, uh, you know, all around the, uh, the Mediterranean coming there. All of them, their native languages, they grew up speaking. Uh, were different, but yet they heard all of these apostles who were Galileans, and their, their native tongue would have been what? It
2: was native,
0: Aramaic. Aramaic, would have been Aramaic, speaking their languages. Okay, so they heard them intelligibly speaking the gospel in the language that they understood. Now, when tongue speaking uh, crops up in the early 1900s, it is invariably an angelic prayer language. What do I mean by that? It's shambala la la la. It's not, you know, nobody understands it. And as general, it's not interpreted. Okay? Um, one of the things that Paul says to the Corinthian church is that if you're going to speak in tongues, there needs to be an interpreter. Otherwise, it's not edifying. Because nobody understands. understands it. Okay? So, um, generally speaking, it sounds like uh, English gobbledygook, to use your, your uh, word. Yes. Go ahead, Graham, and then Alan. It's very difficult to fake Russian. Yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, the uh, that, that you shouldn't be following that uh, in the in the uh, or believing that um, in the New Testament the tongues the glossolia uh, are are definitely languages. Okay, uh, now but camping out on the idea of uh, Paul's comment, if I speak in the language of men or angels and then saying it's always, from that point, an angelic uh, prayer language. Now, one of the interesting things was many charismatics thought that they would be given, if they went to different countries, that they would be given the ability to speak in the mother tongue of that particular language. So for instance, Amy Semple McPherson, um, the queen of Pentecostalism we saw on the last uh, slide there, and her mother, uh, I'm sorry, her husband, who was a Pentecostal, went to China expecting that they would learn without having studied how to speak Chinese through um, the working of the Holy Spirit. They didn't. And so they had to come back to the United States. So, but yet that didn't break them of their, of their uh, belief. So um, the, that was really the uh, origin of the Pentecostal uh, movement. All right? It started there and then grew exponentially. Um, they also adopted, apart from the belief in the second blessing, the belief in the sign gifts being restored. They um, adopted generally what's known as holiness theology. Does anybody know what holiness theology is? The idea that here on earth you can become perfectly holy. Part of the branch, and this occurred within the early stages of uh, Pentecostalism. There was a uh, there was also a breaking uh, in the Pentecostal movement between United Pentecostalism and the uh, other versions of Pentecostalism, and in particular the Assemblies of God. And the great break between them was over the Trinity. Uh, the larger part of the Pentecostal movement, the United Pentecostals, for instance, went on to become uh, oneness Pentecostals. They adopted modalism. It was a Jesus-only belief, all right? So that, for instance, they baptized in the name, not of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, but in the name of Jesus only. And they believed that there was only Jesus, but that he operated as the Father, he operates as the Spirit, and he operates as the, um, uh, as the Son of God as well. But that's, as I said, that's that's modalism. That's not Trinitarianism. That's actually Unitarianism with uh, with a modal expression. Graham? What's the point of believing that? It makes, that makes no sense. Why not just believe in the Trinity? Uh, Where do you even get that from? The devil. <laughs> but we're not supposed to say that. Anyway, moving on. Um, so that was one of the things that happened. So British Israelism, the belief that... Uh, and there's various versions of this. The belief that um, uh, that Jesus came to uh, uh, to England, and that the uh, the British were actually an Israelite tribe that uh, that went on. Um, yeah, it's crazy, but there are people who who believe that. People who believe that to this day. Uh, Annihilationism, that people, uh, that there is no hell, that you're entirely destroyed. Uh, Obviously, the holiness teachings, that you can achieve perfect holiness in this life. Is that true? No. No. Okay, you're not going to become sinless in this life. Uh, And tongues is a sign of baptism of the Holy Spirit and so on. All right, so let's go to the next. Uh, The miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit that they said had been either with the church but quenched, or had been restored, there are two movements, and we'll talk about them, uh, were these. Um, and these are the various uh, the, the various views uh, amongst Pentecostals. Okay? One of them is continuation, the idea that they never left the church but were mostly quenched except in small pockets. And you can see occasionally through the ages, uh, enthusiasts or, or people like the Montanists, Tertullian was a Montanist, the Montanist movement Uh, basically collapsed because their prophetess uh, and the various prophetesses kept getting major um, declarations or prophecies wrong. And eventually the followers were like, "Mm, you're wrong. Uh, You were wrong a lot. Therefore, you know, then there was restoration uh, that God took away those gifts for a time and then brought them back in 1906. Usually... The restorationists also are, uh, are, are um, end times people. And by end times, I mean, we're all in one sense end times people, right? We expect Jesus to return, all of us. And we believe in we're, the, in we're in the final age. But there was a, a great emphasis on the idea that the tongues, uh, the healings, and so on were being restored because this is the end of the end of the age coming in at this point in time. Uh, and then the, other, the only other position is the one that we hold to, cessation. They were only intended for the apostolic church while the New Testament scriptures were being written and ceased after that. And so, therefore, it was natural that they would go away after the uh, canon was closed and not continue. That's the most unexciting version, however, of, uh, of all of this. So. But moving on to the next. So, the gifts themselves were given for uh, purposes, Okay, they were not merely magic tricks that were given in order to impress people. They, were not, um, they weren't purposeless. They had a purpose to them. So uh, somebody read 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 10. Who got it? Who has that? It. Got it? Okay, do it, Rhoda. All right, now the interesting thing here is, did they say that everybody has all of the gifts? No, they say that individuals within the uh, Corinthian church would be given certain gifts, right? Tongues, interpretation, healing, prophecy. In the modern Pentecostal movement, you're expected to have all of them, all right? Everybody is supposed to speak in tongues, for instance, whereas Paul says to some, the, the, the gift of speaking in tongues was given. But it's supposed to be universal there. And it's always, it was always given to edify the church, all right, to build up the church. That was the, uh, the point, not to uh, raise money, uh, not to um, make a, big, a really big show. Romans 12.6, uh, who's got that? Romans 12.6. Yes, Jane. Okay, Um, so uh, I'm going to go on. uh, Or ministry, let us use it to our ministering. He who teaches and teaching, he who exhorts and exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and so on. So, various gifts of the Spirit. Everybody has a gift, but not all of us have the same gifts. And finally, their purpose. Who's got Ephesians 4 8 through 16? Who would like to read that? Who can read that? Joy will do it. Um,
2: 12 and 16.
0: Well, um, Ephesians, just read Ephesians 4 8 through 16, the whole thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Therefore, he says, when he
2: ascended on high, he led cap- uh, captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some. Prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but, speaking the truth in love, they grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself.
0: All right, so the purpose of the gifts, and not all of those gifts that he listed there were miraculous, right? No. No. Um, The purpose of the gifts were for the edification of the body, for for its growth, for the joining of it together, so that it would grow up to be that which God had intended uh, 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 for all of those purposes. So the gifts themselves were given for definite purposes uh, within the church. And we believe that, obviously, some of those gifts are continuing. What would be some of the gifts that we read in Ephesians 4 that are intended to go on? Right, the, that uh, you would continue to have pastors and teachers. Yeah. Should the gift uh, evangelists, should there no longer be the gift of giving within the church? No, liberality should still be exercised by the people of the church. <laughs> um, for the equipping of the saints and for the building up of the church. Last slide. Let's go to the next one. Okay. So three things to remember about the gifts that were given. They are, first, the presence of the gift amongst members of the visible church is not a sure sign of salvation. All right. uh, You remember they come to Jesus in Matthew 7. And what do they say? Lord, Lord, did we not... did, Did we not prophesy? Did we not do miracles in your name? Okay. And he says to them... I never knew you, all right? Uh, And therefore, they are uh, tied to the grace of God and not the condition of the one exercising them. So it's possible that miracles can occur and the person not uh, be actually uh, saved. Secondly, the gifts are not intended for the one to whom they are granted, but are intended for the edification and blessing of others. Thirdly, Not all genuine believers in the apostolic church, that is, members of the body, exercise these gifts. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The way that those uh, questions are asked, they presuppose that the answer is no. They presuppose the answer is no. Um, But uh, those are just some of the things. We'll learn more uh, about what the... Uh, the actual purpose of gifts and why we don't believe that they are continuing um, in the way that they were in the Apostolic Age and why that's okay. Um, later we'll talk about that. Uh, there are ob- obviously, and we will talk about some of the arguments for their continuing. One of the um, uh, the biggest uh, arguments that's used these days is simply the popularity argument. I mean, how can so many people be wrong? Uh,